If you would turn to Psalms, let's start in Psalms 47. Psalms chapter 47. And I'll say that the song, the song that really kind of spurred this, this thought uh, in my mind to, to do a lesson like this was is the song, uh, O Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And you get to the second verse, says, Here I raise my Ebenezer. And uh, I got to thinking, well, you know, what does that mean? You know, uh, I'm singing that song and uh, sounds good, goes good with the verse, and I don't really know the background to that. What, 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 is, what does that song really mean? And, and if I had a deeper understanding of what Ebenezer meant, would, would that song mean even more? And, and, I, and I think it does uh, when we understand some of the things in those. And, and we'll talk a minute about why we sing and, and the aspects of that, and uh, we should understand those things. But Psalms 47, starting in verse 5, God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth, sing praises with understanding. God reigns over the nations, God sits on His holy throne. The princes of the people have gathered together, the people of the God of Abraham, for the shields of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. And so here we see this aspect of singing praises to God, sing praises to our King, uh, for God is the King of all the earth, sing praises with understanding. And that's repeated to some degree in 1 Corinthians. You know, you think about the, this sing with understanding, that, that, that phrase. That's repeated uh, by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 uh, and in verse 15, where Paul says here, What's the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, I will also sing with the understanding. So you, know, you get that kind of repeated. Uh, but if you flip back to Psalms, and of course we could basically spend the whole sermon in the book of Psalms, uh, Psalms chapter 13, we could spend the whole sermon in Psalms talking about singing and, and singing praises. But I just wanted to pick a few of the verses out uh, just to uh, give us a little bit of context here. Psalms 13 verse 6, I will sing to the Lord because He has dealt bountifully with me. So you know here, uh, this is a song of David. And he's saying that he's singing because God has dealt bountifully with him. And can't we all uh, sing for that reason? Psalms chapter 27 and in verse 6. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praise to the Lord. You know, here he's saying he's been lifted up above his enemies. Uh, and there's reason to sing. And, and you know, I th you think about... a. The context of that for us, lifted up above our enemy, who would be our enemy, the devil, uh, and God has lifted us up above him through his son, Jesus, and what, uh, what more of a reason to sing than that. Let's flip over to Ephesians chapter 5. I just want to briefly look at some of these things uh, before we kind of uh, dive into some of the songs that we're going to talk about. Ephesians chapter 5 and in verse 18. Ephesians 5 and verse 18, He do not make drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. And if you flip over to Colossians, uh, two books over, Colossians chapter 3 and in verse 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So, 
You know, I, I think it's uh, something to note here in verse 18. You start out at the bottom of verse 18 in, in Ephesians 5, be filled with the Spirit. And then what's he say in, in Colossians 3 and in verse 16, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. And that, that's at the beginning of both of these uh, excerpts of Paul you know, the things to follow that are telling us to sing. To sing to one another to do what? We sing to one another for two reasons. To teach and admonish. Those are our two reasons for singing to one another. But he also has the aspect of, in Ephesians chapter 5, making melody in your heart to the Lord. So we're also singing to one another and we're also singing to God at the same time. We're, we're making that melody in our heart and that goes up to God. In Colossians 3 and in verse 16, uh, he says, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So here in both of these passages, we have teaching one another, admonishing one another with these songs and hymns and spiritual songs, and then also the aspect of, of singing uh, to God, to uh, lifting up praises to Him uh, in that. And, you know, I, songs, I, I get, you know, uh, I, I love singing. I like singing uh, with the saints here and, and it there's something about songs it, it, it brings an emotional attachment you know uh, I think that's why a lot of us are drawn to any form of music there's something that it does something to us in, inside that not just reading or speaking does it, it adds a tune or a melody as it's referred to here um, but you know I think about some of the deep meaning of some of the songs we sing uh, and some of the really consequences uh, of singing some of the songs, you know, like the song we sing, I think it's 273, I'm not ashamed to own my Lord. And then you, you read, if you do read the, the words there, uh, that's some deep words. I'm not ashamed to own my Lord nor to defend His cause. Uh, you know, there's some other things in there. Uh, if you think about the song, I believe it's 73, Sweet Hour of Prayer. You're talking about basically, you know, saying that we're spending an hour in prayer, that, that hour that we have to go to God to petition Him and, uh, you know, I can't remember the last time I spent a whole hour in prayer. Uh, but, you know, that's one of the things we're singing back and forth to one another. Hopefully, uh, I would think at least for me, that's more uh, admonishing me to, me to do that. Uh, but there's a lot of deep meaning in a lot of the, the songs that we sing. In the rest of the service, I, we're going to just go through some of, some of these songs. We're going to start with uh, 420, O Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Uh, where I told you that's kind of where uh, the idea for this comes from. Um, the first few songs I, I want to go through and you know kind of pick them apart to some degree. I say pick them apart, just kind of look at them, try to gain some, some more uh, meaning to them, uh, some more things for us to be thinking about while we're singing these songs. Um, we'll just start out here reading in, verse, in line one or verse one, line one. O oh, thy fount of every blessing, to my heart to sing thy grace. You know, that makes me think of James chapter 1 uh, in verse 17 where, um, I'm going to flip over there and read that so I don't I'll butcher that verse. But James 1 and verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. You know, that's where all this, this fountain of blessing comes from. It comes from God. That's where all the, the good gifts of this life come from. Uh, there's nothing bad that comes from God. Nothing that's going to harm us comes from Him. All the good things come from Him. And that's truly a fountain that's flowing free to all of us. And He says, To my heart to sing Thy grace. Streams of, of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. 
you know, if you at least when I think of uh, the streams of mercy, the the mercy that's given to to all of us, you flip over to the end of James and he tells us, uh, "Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms." You know, what what greater reason to be cheerful than the, than thinking of the grace that we have and the mercy that's never ceasing, that's extended to each and every one of us. He says, "Teach me ever to adore Thee." May I still thy goodness prove, while the hope of, of endless glory uh, fills my heart with joy and love. You know, and you think about the here the the writer of the songs bringing us back to uh, the hope uh, that we have in Christ of that endless glory, everlasting life in the in the presence of of God the Father and the Son. How great that, that really will be! It should fill, really truly should fill our hearts with joy and love. All right, if you go to verse 2, here I raise my Ebenezer. Uh, this is where we uh, get this thought. If you will, flip over to 1 Samuel. I want to read uh, where this comes from. 1 Samuel chapter 7. Get the context of that. 1 Samuel chapter 7. Let's start in verse 1. 1 Samuel chapter 7, starting in verse 1. Then the men of Kirjath, Jerem, came and took the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab on the hill and consecrated Eleazar, his son, to keep the ark of the, of the Lord. So it was that the ark remained in Kirjath, Jerem, a long time. It was there 20 years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. And then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and the asteroids from among you, and prepare your hearts for the Lord, and serve him only, and he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So the children of Israel put away the Baals and the asteroids, and served the Lord only. And Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered together at Mizpah, drew water, and poured it out before the Lord. And they fasted that day and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah. Now when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it as the whole as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. Then Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. Now as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day, and so confused them that they were overcome before Israel. And the men of Israel went out to Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and drove them back as far as below beth Car. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen, and called its name Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they did not come any more into the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. And so here we have where uh, this the songwriter got this you know this thought of the Ebenezer. What does it mean? It says, Thus far the Lord has helped me. Um, so you know, really we could substitute in for Ebenezer. You know, this idea of thus far the Lord has helped me, you know, um, and we get this deliverance from the Philistines is really what's going on here. The Israelites are being delivered from them. 
Uh, and it appears here that the Israelites had, had taken other gods and God had uh, essentially left them uh, under the rule of the Philistines. The Philistines were ruling over them, uh, at least to some degree. Uh, and then they repented of, the, of that and got rid of those things. And then uh, God delivers them. Uh, and it works the same for us today. You know, there's no, there's no difference between this situation here with them and, and with us. When we get rid of those things in our life, uh, that are hindrances for us, uh, God uh, will help us and as He did them. So that's, that's where we get Ebenezer, right here at a, at a First Samuel. Uh, and the way the Psalms reads, Here I raise my Ebenezer, you know, this rock uh, that, that was set up, or this stone, as was said here in uh, verse 12. Samuel took that stone and set it up and called that stone's name Ebenezer. Uh, so... And then he says here in the, here in the song, uh, verse 2, Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I have come, um, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Uh, you know, I think that's all of our uh, prayer or, or, or thought, as at least should be. And then, uh, Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, here to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. And, you know, when I think about this idea of Jesus seeking me when I was a stranger, you know, I think of uh, Romans chapter 5. Uh, we'll turn there and read read that. Romans chapter 5, uh, really in verse 8. It said, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, and the word sinners is used in multiple ways in the New Testament, but th- this idea, the, the, the Greek word here, is an absolute moral failure. When we were nothing, when we were actually enemies against God, um, Christ died for each and every one of us. So it's, He sought us when we were a stranger. When we were out against Him, uh, He sought us when we were wandering from the fold of God. And then He's rescuing us from that danger and then he interposed what? His precious blood. Christ died for those sins uh, that we were committing in that state. also makes me think of Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, one of my uh, favorite passages in Scripture really outlines who we all are. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of flesh and of the mind, or by nature children of wrath, just as the others. And what does Romans chapter 6 tell us? He tells us we're either a slave of God or, or a slave uh, of the devil. And that's, you know, Paul's telling, uh, illustrating here in Ephesians chapter 2 that we were all, slaves of the devil. We were all serving the devil. And then he tells, tells us there in verse 4, what? But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in ages come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. You know, here we get that, that idea of uh, of being redeemed, really, is, is what's going on there. <clears throat> that kind of spills over in the, in the last verse of the song, line one, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. You know, the grace that none of us deserve. 
uh, and that we are a debtor to, daily I am constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wondering heart to thee. You know, his goodness that that has been portrayed to each of us, and, and the songwriter here is saying, bind my wondering heart to thee. You know, and, and um, you know, I think it just by human uh, nature, uh, we don't want to be submissive. We don't want to be bound to anything. Uh, but, you know, here when we're singing the song, we're, we're praying uh, or admonishing each other to uh, see the goodness of God and let it bind our heart as close to God as possible. Keep us as a servant of His. The line 4, I guess, of chapter 3, or 3, line 3 of verse 3. Never let me wander from thee. Never leave the God I love. Of course, should be all of our prayer. And then here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. You know, since the songwriter is saying, you know, I'm taking my heart, uh, and, and he's saying I'm handing it over over to God, giving everything that I have, wholly and fully submitting to God. Here's my heart, all my will. Uh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. And the courts above, of course, be in heaven. You know, that's where we all uh, want to wind up. It's in heaven uh, when this life is over. Uh, being in the midst of, of God the Father. <clears throat> I would like to sing these songs when, when we get done. I hope that's not too out of line, but you know, I hope uh, the, the things that we're talking about help us appreciate these songs more. But if you would, let's, let's sing all three verses. Oh, Thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing Thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing Call for songs of loudest praise Teach me ever to adore Thee May I still Thy goodness prove While the hope of endless glory Fills my heart with joy and love here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I've come. And I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Never let me wander from thee, never leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Next song we'll look at is 183. 183. And unless Stephen is, is switched up on me on 11 o'clock, he'll be dealing with uh, 
mostly, I believe, songs that deal with Jesus and, and, and the things. I don't know exactly all of them, but um, songs that we typically think of and, and uh, talking about Jesus and His sacrifice. Uh, but I, I stole this one from him. So, um, If you would, turn over to Luke chapter 22. I want to read both uh, Luke's account and, and Matthew's account where this song is really uh, focusing and coming from. Luke chapter 22, 30, starting in verse uh, 39. <clears throat> Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives, as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, <coughs> saying, Father, if it, is, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. And he said to them, Why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Uh, and then, of course, we have, you know, this is really, uh, Judas betrays him, and, and then Peter denies him, and this really begins the last uh, hours before his uh, crucifixion to follow this, this prayer. Go to Matthew chapter 26. I want to read, read Matthew's account as well. Kind of gives you, um, you know, a little different perspective. You see here that the first thing that stands out in verse 36 is uh, Gethsemane is also called Mount of Olives. So uh, the songwriter is bringing out uh, in, in the Psalm 183, verse 1, "'Tis midnight and I'm on olive's brow." Uh, you know, it's referring to the Mount of Olives or Gethsemane, evidently interchangeable, but it's the same place. Uh, in this olive's brow, you know, I think he, he, someone corrects me after the service, I think he's referring to it being the mount, you know, being on the brow of the mountain, on the side of the mountain, uh, I was referred to there. But anyway, uh, Matthew chapter 26 and verse 36, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with, with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My son, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again a second time he went away and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed in the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. You see my betrayers at hand. I think that brings us you know, a little perspective of, of where... The songwriter's coming from as you uh, continue into this verse. Um, let's start in verse 1 of the song. Uh, Tis midnight and on Olive's brow. You know, we've already talked about it being the Mount of Olives or Gethsemane, being upon the mountain. 
I think that's what he's referring to there about being on the olive's brow. Uh, the star is dimmed that lately shone. Uh, and then he says, "'Tis midnight in the garden now, the suffering Savior prays alone." You know, and it, one of the things that always has, has struck me about this, this story, these last hours, and one thing that's kind of, uh, I think, adds to, to what Jesus went through is Him truly being alone. I mean, well, I say truly, God was with Him. But other than God on this earth, there was no friends, no, none of His disciples, none of His closest 12. Nobody was there for Him. Nobody to support Him in this time uh, that, that, would have, that was obviously so painful for Him, uh, obviously physically, but you can tell in His prayer, you know, mentally, emotionally, within Himself, He took on all that burden alone. And I think that's something that we ought to, uh, we really ought to think about uh, when looking at this. Is he was he was strong enough to to do all that for us, and he bore all these things uh, with no support on this earth while he was here. He truly bore it alone. Obviously, other than God there being with him. Verse two of the song: "Tis midnight and for others guilt." Uh, you know, he he didn't bear. Any of these things, the death that he died, you know, the sacrifice there was not for, for his guilt of sin. It was for whose guilt? It was for our guilt of sin. Our sin is why he died there. For that's where he gets for the other's guilt. The man of sorrows weeps in blood. And I think he's really referring to the the sweat is blood uh, that that's referred to there in uh, verse forty four of Luke twenty two. Um, he says there, uh, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Uh, I think that's where that's coming from. Yet he that hath an anguish knelt is not forsaken by his God. And, you know, you think about, um, you know, there's a lot of speculation about, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But I think here uh, we especially see in this, in this time uh, that he was not, forsaken by his God, you see there in verse 43, then an angel appeared to him from heaven and strengthening him. So I think there we see that God didn't forsake him, uh, especially here. God was trying to help him, you know, obviously because there's nobody else here on this earth that was going to help him, uh, help him get through this time. And then so he you know, says there an angel appeared to him uh, from heaven, strengthening him. So, you know, he's not forsaken by his God there at the end of verse 2. Uh, if you look at verse 3, <clears throat> "'Tis midnight, and from heavenly plains is born the song that angels know. Unheard by mortals are the strains that sweetly soothe the Savior's woe." Uh, what I gather from this, at least, is, is um, the song that angels know. I think he's truly referring to verse 43 of, of Luke 22. Those angels coming and ministering to him. Strengthen him. We don't know all the aspects of that, uh, but the song right here, I think, is trying to get us to, th- to think along those lines that you know, um, God sending those angels to strengthen him. Uh, he says there, "Is born the song that angels know and heard by mortals are the strains that sweetly soothe the Savior's woe." I think that's what he, he's referring to there. Um, you know, and I, at least if I, I think about how do we you know think about that for us you know i think god uh, always provides us he always uh, will comfort us and strengthen us uh, and of course uh, jesus helping us in that in our prayers as we petition him we know he's always there to hear us 
Let's sing all three verses of this song as well. Tis midnight and on olive's brow The star is dim that lately shone Tis midnight in the garden now The suffering Savior praise alone Tis midnight and for six and we definitely gonna make through six we're gonna make through two uh i'm gonna speed up um i'm gonna have to pick what we're gonna do let's see i got multiple pages left um i wanted to uh that was gonna take a while Let's just grab a couple. I got, I got two, both the last ones I did. I kind of just picked um, a couple that I thought had a couple things in the song that I kind of wanted to look at. Let's look at 188. Um, 188. This song has a few things in it, like Rock of Ages. You know, you see there in the, in the chorus there at the very end. Um, you know, there stands a rock that, that stands in shores of time. Um, let's look at a few of those things. If you flip over to Psalm 71, uh, this is where the whoever wrote this has has uh, the verse quoted for the song. Um, Psalm 71, yeah, verse 3. Be my strong refuge to which I may resort continually. You have given the commandment to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. You know, this idea of God being a rock, God being a fortress, something that we can hang on to. You know, you also think about the song, We Have an Anchor for the Soul, you know, uh, Jesus, who is steadfast. Uh, but here, uh, the psalm says, You are my rock and my fortress. Uh, let's turn to First Peter uh, 1. Hold up, before we, leave, before we leave the Old Testament, let's go back to Isaiah. Uh, let's look at Isaiah 26. Try to keep from flipping. 
back and forth as we go. Isaiah 26. This is where we get the the thought of um, this this idea of the rock of ages there at the end of the chorus. Isaiah 26 and verse 4, Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah the Lord is everlasting strength. And mine has a little thing out to the to the side of the bottom that says rock of ages 4 uh, is is everlasting strength. could also be rock of ages. I, Robert, are you looking at New American Standard? Um, Isaiah 26. Yeah, verse 4. Yeah. Is that rock of ages? Is that how it has it represented? No? Okay. Everlasting rock. Everlasting rock. Okay. So... Here you get that idea of the rock of ages. That's where that, that thought comes from uh, is everlasting strength or everlasting rock uh, that we have to hang on to. You can also look at 1 Peter chapter 1. And a lot, you know, I guess you can see a lot of this is coming from you know, me thinking, well, what, where does, where's the rock of ages at? You know, I, I don't, that's not a verse that I typically think of. Where, where is this thought coming from? So that's where... We're at here, but First Peter chapter one and verse twenty-five, uh, verse twenty-four. Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. You know, just thinking about something that's a rock, something that we can hang on to. What is that? The word of the Lord endures forever. Matthew chapter twenty-four. Matthew chapter twenty-four, and in verse thirty-five. Matthew twenty-four and verse thirty-five. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. And so if I'm thinking about something that, you know, stands a rock on shores of time, you know, not only is God a rock that we can hang on to, uh, and, uh, you know, here again, that idea of that anchor for the soul, not only is God that, but what endures forever? His word endures forever. Something else that's a rock for us to hang on to. And this word also has a couple of, you know, I guess you maybe say I'm illiterate, but some words that, uh, I don't typically use sublime there in verse 1. There stands a rock on the shores of time that rears to heaven its head sublime. What in the world is sublime? Sublime is uh, the definition of that is lofty, grand, or exalted in thought, expression, or manner, outstanding spiritual, intellectual, or moral worth. So there gives you a, a definition. I hope that you know it, it helps me to define words uh, like that. It brings more meaning to, to, to a song like this. So... Uh, that rears to heaven, it's heaven sublime, something grand. Uh, heaven, heaven is grand, or or lofty, exalted in thought or expression is what is referred to there. Um, and I guess I might finish out showing my ignorance. Um, verse two, celestial. Uh, that is simply heavenly. You know, something that's heavenly. So heavenly glory bays its head. That that rocks across its arms outspread. Heavenly glory bays its head to its to its firm base. My all I bring into the cross of of ages clean. Uh, so here you get this idea of the cross of ages. That being God, being I mean Jesus, being that that anchor, that 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 rock that we can hang on to. I also flip over to uh, one ninety. We're marching to Zion, and uh, you know I get the thing about where is Zion. You know I know it's used in the Old Testament a decent amount. Where is that in the New Testament? What is Zion? You know how do um, you know, hear a lot. Just make sure we understand what it is. If you go to Second Samuel, chapter five. Second Samuel, chapter five, and then verse seven. Defines it for us pretty quick. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion. That is the city of David. Uh, First Kings eight and one. 
1 Kings chapter 8 and in verse 1. Now Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes of the chief fathers of the children of Israel to, to King Solomon in Jerusalem that they might bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from the city of David, which is Zion. So, you know, Jerusalem. Uh, that's Zion as referred to in the Old Testament. That would be Jerusalem. Uh, and so where do, do, is that repeated uh, in the New Testament? Yes, it is. Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, we get... Uh, it talks about Zion. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 22, But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of the just men made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. And so here, uh, we have this this uh, Zion being mentioned here, this mountain of Zion, the uh, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. So he's referring to what? He's referring to heaven. He's just referring, you know, just speaking in Jewish terms, uh, essentially. Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14. This is our final verse, and I need to be wrapping this up. Revelation chapter 14. Then I looked, and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion... We know where that is. You know, the lamb is there. Who's the lamb? The lamb's Jesus. Where is he at? He's sitting on the right hand of God, standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written on the forehead. And I heard the voice from heaven like the voice of many waters and like the voice of, of a loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. Uh, and so here uh, we get it referred to, you know, uh, heaven where God is as Jesus standing on Mount Zion. He's up there with God, and that's, that is... Uh, referred to Mount Zion. So that is where we all want to be. You know, we're marching to Zion. We all want to be in Zion at, at the end uh, of this life. Well, I appreciate your kind attention. Uh, it did go a little long. Uh, I obviously had way too much material, but uh, we hadn't talked uh, uh, explicitly about uh, being becoming a Christian uh, this morning. Uh, but I hope the things that we have looked at have, have helped us uh, in our in our song service. Help us think about the words that we're singing and why we're singing them. Uh, you know, it's really th it's threefold to to teach one another uh, uh, things. I think that's why it's so important that the songs that we sing have the right message because we are teaching one another uh, and also to admonish one another. You know, like we, like we talked about at the beginning, uh, admonish each of us to spend an hour in prayer. Uh, to defend the Lord's cause, to not be ashamed of Him, uh, and so even some of the things we talked about uh, this morning. But if there's anyone here this morning that uh, has a need of a spiritual nature that the saints here could uh, pray with you or pray for you in any way, uh, we'd ask that you come forward while we sing the invitation song that Matt selected.